Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Uh, Man, it's a blessing to be here with you guys today. Not only today, but it is a blessing to be here um, in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, I almost missed out on being here. I almost completely missed out on the community, on the freedom, on the life that is here at Summit Church and all that Indiana, Pennsylvania has to offer. Because to be honest, whenever uh, Mel first told me about Indiana, Pennsylvania, I kind of snickered at him and was like, I'm definitely not leaving the motherland of Texas to go to a place that is named after another state. I'm not going to do that. Here in Texas, we have our own names of our own towns. Um, I was a little prideful with that. But uh, no, I was thinking about the fact that I almost missed out on this opportunity. Um, I almost missed out on the things that God had for me and for my family here. And it got me thinking that I imagine a lot of us could look back on life or we could look right now and think, wow, I almost missed out on that. Or I wish I would have known about this sooner. Or I wish, I, I wish someone would have told me about this experience that I could have had, but now I've missed out. Maybe some of us have thought uh, that we just feel like we are missing out in something or on something in life. And I was thinking about this and, uh, you know, we can, we can be missing out on something in life or on some things in life, on some experiences, on some fulfillments, on some pleasures, on, on just some great things. We can be missing out on some great things in life because either we are unknowingly ignorant to them or we are willfully ignorant to them. Yeah. Um, for example, when I did finally move to Indiana, which by the way, uh, is an absolute miracle that I even ended up here. Wasn't supposed to be here. I'll not, I won't go into the, uh, into the entire story, but I guess I, technically I was supposed to be here, which is why I'm here now. Um, so <laughs> I did not want to be here though. Um, and uh, God had other plans and three years later, man, he has me here. And so it's incredible. It's a miracle. Maybe one day I'll tell that story. But when I first moved up here, uh, one of my main concerns was after like finding a place to live was what is the good food in Indiana? I mean, that is like, that's a normal thing to do, right? To ask, what is the good food? And I asked the person that I knew would know the best about what good food was up here, partly because he was the only person I knew, but because I also knew he for sure knew what good food was up here. So I asked Mel, what's good to eat here? And he's like, have you heard of Meadows? Now, this is not real food. I'm not going there for dinner. I might want to some days. But he told me about the glorious goodness of frozen custard meadows. And my life has been changed ever since. You think I'm joking? I'm not. It's a weekly occurrence. So literally, my, my life and my waistband has been changed forever because of meadows. But you see, I would have never known about Meadows. I was unknowingly ignorant, technically, to the glorious uh, goodness of Meadows until Mel told me about it. So we can be unknowingly ignorant to things and we can be missing out on great experiences. We can be missing out on great things that we could have in this life because we just simply don't know. Or we could be missing out on things in life, experiences, pleasures, good things in life because we are willingly 
ignorant to them. Whether it be by a, by a misconception, by a bad experience, or simply because we just think we know better. In fact, I was thinking about this the other day during Thanksgiving. Um, and one of the things that I have been willfully ignorant to until I was about 31 years old, so about two years ago or so, um, one thing I've been willfully ignorant to, especially when it comes to Thanksgiving, was pecan pie. Yes, gasp. I can't believe it either. <laughs> so um, I used to think when I was a kid that pecan pie looked like someone snotted all in a pie and put some nuts on it. Yeah, it was gross. I was like, no, why are you eating that? That looks really nasty, right? Um, and I think part of the reason is because uh, when I was a kid, my mama and papa on my mom's side, so Kim's mama and papa, um, my mama and papa, they used to have pecans, like fresh pecans in their house all the time. Like you'd crack them open and you'd eat them. I wouldn't eat them because they tasted terrible. They were really bitter. And so I could not stand the taste of raw pecans. So I thought that pecans on a pie would just make it really nasty. And so I decided, even though I'm from the South and even though uh, we had pecan pie at every single family gathering, I was like, I'm not about that. I will not eat it. It's gross. I thought I knew better, but I was, and I was willfully ignorant towards it. But one day, I think it was Thanksgiving of 2018. Um, I remember it well. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but one day, I remember uh, actually eating pecan pie, and my eyes were opened. I was like, what have I been missing out on for the past 30 years? What is wrong with me? But see, I had a misconception about what pecan pie was. I had a bad experience with pecans, not pecan pie, but with pecans. And so I thought that I knew what this particular pie was going to taste like. So I ended up missing out on my mamaw's chocolate pecan pie. And I'm a little sad about that now. So we can miss out on things in life because we are either unknowingly ignorant, we just don't know, or we are willfully ignorant. We do know, or we have some idea, but we've chosen, we've chosen to ignore it. We've chosen not to fully experience what it is we could experience. And I, the thing is, is that we, we can see this not only in these silly examples of food. By the way, just so you know, fair warning, all of my examples today are of food. Don't know why that is. It just happened. I love food. So just wait for that later. But we can, we can have this same thing in our life with God. We can have the same thing in our knowledge of God. We can have the same thing in our walk with Jesus Christ. We can be unknowingly ignorant to some things that maybe he wants us to experience, or maybe we're willfully ignorant because we've had bad experiences, or we've had misconceptions, or we simply want to operate in our own power and think that we know better. So we're going to look at a story, a couple of stories today in Acts 19. Uh, Acts 19, we're going to be in verse 1 through 7, and then we're going to be in verses 11 through 20. So if you have it on your phone, that's great. If you've got an old school, ancient paper Bible, then that's awesome too. But I would encourage you to underline, highlight things. And if you don't have that, then you're going to see the scriptures on the sky Bible behind me. So um, thank you for that laugh. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> we're going to be in Acts 19, verse 1 through seven. And this is showing a, a group of people who were missing out on everything that God had for them. They were missing out on the depth and the experience and intimacy with 
God. They had some knowledge, but God was calling them deeper. So Acts 19, verse 1 through 7. Here we go. While Apollos was ministering in Corinth, Paul traveled on through the regions of Turkey until he arrived in Ephesus, where he found a group of 12 followers of Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause right there for just a moment. Uh, Some translations call these people believers. Some translations call them disciples. And this one right here calls them followers of Jesus. There is dispute whether or not they were real, true Christians. But nonetheless, what we know, the background that we know, is at least that they had some idea of who a savior or that there was a savior. They had some idea that there was a Messiah. They had some uh, idea that they needed to have repentance and be changed. So that's where we get them being named followers of Jesus or disciples or believers. Verse two, the first thing he asked them was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they replied, we've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. We've not even heard of a Holy Spirit. Now, upon meeting these disciples, Paul, uh, he, it's not his custom to ask, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? That was not his custom. Apparently, and this is the context that we are, the, 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 the particular um, details that we don't see in this, is that apparently there was some kind of red flag that went off to Paul where these people said they were believers or followers of Jesus, but there was something that simply wasn't lining up. And we don't know what that was, but we do know within the context of the entire book of Acts that we can see Paul didn't normally ask people this. So there had to be someone that raised his antenna and said, I need to ask these people if they really have, if they received the Holy Spirit whenever they became believers, because there's obviously something missing. You see, they didn't know much about God's nature revealed in Jesus. We can see that from here. They didn't know much about Jesus, about all that Jesus did for us, and they didn't know about his promise to send the Holy Spirit. And that's an important thing. They didn't know about his promise to send the Holy Spirit. And as I read this, I wonder how many of us, how many of our lives are characterized in this way? We know just enough about Jesus to be saved, but we don't truly know We don't truly know his nature. We don't truly know the character of God. We don't truly know all that he has for us in his promise to give us the Holy Spirit. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, kind of uh, gives us a little foundation for this. And it says this, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. I love this scripture because it tells us, and it's so encouraging, that God has literally given us everything that we need, everything that we need to live a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true knowledge, personal knowledge of him. And this word knowledge, it means experiential knowledge and it means understanding. So what I've actually lived out, what I've actually experienced, what I've actually seen, and then what I've known here or what I've read or what I have an understanding about. And I love this scripture because it tells us that if we truly have a personal knowledge, a personal experience, a personal understanding of who God really is, then we have been given every single thing that we need 
to live a dynamic spiritual life. We have everything that we need to be completely transformed. We have everything that we need to see the life around, the people around us transformed. You see, coming to know Jesus or putting our trust and our hope and our faith in Jesus is not just about getting a ticket to heaven. A lot of us, myself included, most of my teenage years and even into my 20s, all I was worried about is at least God's grace cover me, covers me. I said the sinner's prayer, and so I've got that ticket to heaven, so at least I'm not going to hell when I die. But we leave it there on the surface. Guess what? Going to heaven because I put my trust in Jesus is a great thing, and it is a perk, and it is beautiful. But God wants me to experience his kingdom here on earth. He wants me to experience freedom here on earth. He wants me to be free from the bondage of my sin here on earth, not just when I die and go to the next life. It's not just about getting a ticket to heaven, but seeing his kingdom here on earth. And we see that that uh, we see that that Jesus has actually given these promises of receiving the Holy Spirit. He gave them to his disciples, and he's giving them to us right now as we read through the Word in John fourteen sixteen and seventeen, and in Acts one and eight. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit because because here's the deal: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit—they're three in one. They are not separated. They cannot be separated. They operate together, three in one. God sent the fa- or God the Father sent the Son who died and rose again, who sent the Holy Spirit for us to be able to live out this life. And we see it in John 14, verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper who will never leave you. That's really good. We could stop there and be like, man, Thank you, Jesus. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Sounds like they were being unknowingly ignorant. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment. Jesus is telling these believers, these disciples, and us now, that if we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him and we confess him as Lord and Savior, that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. A lot of times we tell like little kids, in fact, even my little kids, like, hey, Jesus is in your heart. And that's good for kids that can understand that a little bit better. But Jesus is actually at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. If you've confessed and believed that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead and you are saved, then you have the Holy Spirit and he has not left you and he never will leave you. That's so encouraging because here's the deal. He won't leave you and he will help you and he will help you by leading you into all truth. You need wisdom, you need knowledge, you need understanding. Guess what the Holy Spirit does? He gives wisdom, he gives knowledge, he gives understanding. But if I don't listen... If I kind of brush him off and don't listen, it's really hard to hear him. If I tune him out, it's really hard to hear the Holy Spirit in my life. But that doesn't mean that he's not with you. He is with you. He will never leave you. And then in Acts 1.8, we get a little bit more of a picture of what the Holy Spirit does and who he is. Jesus talking to disciples again. This is after his resurrection, before his ascension. He says, 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. It does not say you will receive power and you might be my witnesses one day. It doesn't say you will receive power and if you clean your life up good enough, And if you put on a smile, and if your life looks perfect, then you can be my witness. No, 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 no. Jesus says you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Now you might be sitting there and think, well, it'd be hard for me to be a witness because I don't have a microphone. I can't stand up on a stage. I don't really have anybody to tell about Jesus or I don't really, I'm not very good at conversations. I'm not really sure. Well, guess what? When the Holy Spirit comes on you in power, that is power that transforms your life. When you give your life to Jesus and your life is being transformed continually by the work, by the inner working of the Holy Spirit, then you are a witness because your life is being transformed. Even if you don't speak a word, now you should and it would be good for you to speak a word, but even if you didn't, you can still and you will still be a witness because the people who knew you and who knew your life before it was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit will notice that there is something different and you then are being a witness. And you are, you are a part of establishing God's kingdom here on earth. Remember, following Jesus isn't about just getting a ticket to heaven. It's about seeing God's kingdom here on earth. His freedom reign here on earth. So the Holy Spirit is a helper. He leads us into truth and he has power to be witnesses because he transforms. Now let's get back to the story. Verse three. Some of y'all are a little nervous because I said we're going through like the whole chapter of Acts and we're only on verse three. It gets a little faster here. Don't worry. So Paul asked, then what was the meaning of your baptism? They responded, it meant that we would follow John's teaching. Paul said, John's baptism was for those who were turning from their sins. And he taught you to believe in and follow the one who was coming after him, Jesus, the anointed one. When they understood this, they were baptized into the authority of Jesus, the anointed one. Now, real quick, I want to make a quick point here. These particular disciples, they were ready, they were ready to obey. They were ready to recognize Jesus as Savior because they had been prepared by John the Baptist's message that they needed to repent and that there was a Messiah coming. Okay, so if you put that into today's context, essentially, you put that into a modern worldview, a modern context, essentially these disciples, these people, these followers, they uh, had been coming to church every week. They had come to church every week. They might have even done a Bible plan every once in a while, and they had an understanding at the very least that their lives might need to change. However, they had not taken that next step to say, Jesus is the one that has to change my life. You see, coming to church and having an understanding or recognizing that some things need to change is not enough. It's good. It's a good thing. But then it just really is just a hangout, feel good time. And it's not about transformation of your life. So coming, coming to church and having that understanding, that's good. That's the first step. But we've got to take the next step. We've got to go just a little deeper and say that I recognize I can't fix my life. It's messed up. I recognize that. I recognize that I need someone to fix it. And then I recognize that I can't do it. So I need Jesus. Verse six, 
verse six and seven, it says this. And when Paul laid his hands on each of the 12, the Holy Spirit manifested and they immediately spoke in tongues and they prophesied. They immediately spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Now, this does not mean, I wanna be very clear about this. This does not mean that when you receive the Holy Spirit, that you should start speaking a different language or that you should start prophesying. It doesn't necessarily mean that. This is what happens specifically to these believers. But if you remember, whenever we give our lives to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We don't see throughout the, throughout the entire Bible, there's a few instances, but throughout the entire Bible, we don't see automatically Holy Spirit, okay, now I'm gonna start speaking in tongues. Now I'm gonna start prophesying. But what this shows, particularly in Acts 19, what this shows is that when these believers were obedient to everything that God had for them, when they said, I want whatever it is, I haven't been following specifically your way, so now I'm going to and I'm opening up my life to you. When they did that, they made a way for the gifts of the Spirit to be evident in their life because of the transformation work of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, it actually talks about, and it's specifically verse 7, talks about how each believer, every person who believes in Jesus as a son of God and the way to salvation, everybody has the Holy Spirit and has gifts inside of them. Some of them are speaking in tongues. Some of them are prophesying. Some of them are healing, wisdom, knowledge, discernment of spirits. It doesn't always manifest in speaking in tongues and prophesying. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And what I want you to understand today is that don't sit there like I did when I was younger, when I was a teenager, thinking that, well, I haven't spoken in tongues, so my Christianity is way down here while someone else is way up here. That's not what this particular passage is saying. It's saying that when you have a transformative experience with the Holy Spirit, then the gifts of him, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are made evident in your life. God wants us to go deeper. These particular disciples, these particular believers, they had an understanding of who God was and that they needed to repent and that there was a savior. But God wants us to go a little deeper than that because he doesn't want us to miss out on all that he has given us, on the presence, on the gifts, on the experience that, and the fulfillment and the pleasures that he has given us through his son Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. He does not want us to miss out. He wants us to get the full experience. This actually reminds me of a Brazilian steakhouse. I realize that's a big jump, but just trust me, okay? How many of you in here have ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse called Fogo de Chao or Texas de Brazil? Anybody? Yes, absolutely. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you need to know. I'll just tell you that right now. Go to Pittsburgh. They have both of them there. They're amazing. Go celebrate there. It's good times, okay? But in these, in these Brazilian uh, steakhouses, they have all of the meat you could ever want. All of the meat, like steaks, I mean, just sausage, chicken, pork, everything. It has everything you could ever want. And these dudes called gauchos, they come around in the restaurant. They've got, these, uh, they've got this meat on these skewers. They kind of look like little swords. It's really awesome. Um, and then they shave meat off for you. They shave this meat off for you. And it's the most glorious thing in the world, okay? Because you have this little card that if you turn it to green, 
then they will just keep bringing you food and keep bringing you food and they will never stop. And it is wonderful. And you'll have to be wheelbarrowed out, but it's greatness. Okay. It's wonderful. Now they also have a salad bar there too, but that doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey man, there we go. Okay. But one of the greatest things about this place is the meat, yes. But as soon as you sit down, they bring you this basket of hot rolls. And they're not like any other roll that you've ever had, okay? They are these little nuggets of roll on the outside, a little crusty on the outside, but good crusty. And they've got this melty white cheddar cheese in the middle. (laughs) Man, I'm sorry if I'm making you hungry because it's almost noon, but I'm making myself hungry. They're so good, like so stinking amazing. They taste like a hot Cheez-It. They're, I mean, they're wonderful. I don't know how else to explain it. They're just great, okay? And if I wasn't careful, right, they could set those rolls out in front of me. And if my waitress or waiter never came to me and said, hey, you need to turn over this card from red to green, I could easily fill up on the rolls that were in front of me, easily, and walk away and be like, man, that was a great bread restaurant, That was wonderful. I love the bread there. And then walked out, paid for the experience, and never actually gotten the full experience. But when you sit down, your waiter, your waitress, they'll come to you and they'll say, hey, have you been here before? And if you say no, then they will pick up the card and they say, this is uh, stop and go, essentially. If it's red, they will not bring you any meat. If you turn it over to green, you'll get the full experience and they'll start bringing you food and it's glorious until you turn over to red. You see, many times in our lives, we can fill up, right? We can fill up on the feel-good messages. We can, fill up, we can fill up on that one verse that we had a long time ago and never go any deeper into the Word of God. We can fill up on something that, that was encouraging to us one Sunday, and then our life uh, gets terrible, and then we just need that, that next fix of, of, we need one more encouraging message. But God wants us to go deeper and to have an intimate relationship with Him and to have the full experience with Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like if I sat down in that steak restaurant, I would still be in the steak restaurant. I would still be paying them my money. I would still be getting some kind of substance, but I would be missing out on all that they had to offer. And I fear that we as believers are either unknowingly or willingly ignorant to all that God has to offer. And we are settling for less saying we don't even know that there is more, but there is. Sadly, though, some of us have known there is more and we've ignored it because of misconceptions or bad experiences or thinking that we just know better. Let's look at Acts 19, verse 11. God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick and diseases and demons left them and they were healed. Now pause there for a moment. It's very important that we understand these are extraordinary miracles, unusual miracles. If someone on TV is trying to sell you an anointed handkerchief that if you just sow a thousand dollar seed, you'll get back a million and all of your debt will be paid and you'll be completely healed. Don't believe them. Okay. (laughs) That was, uh, don't sow that thousand dollar seed. Don't do it. That was for Paul specifically in Ephesus for this reason, because, um, because they, in Ephesus, dabbled in like magic dark arts a lot. And so Paul was allowed by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit to do extraordinary miracles, essentially to prove 
to these believers or these non-believers in Ephesus that God was real. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. Verse 13. Now, there were seven itinerant Jewish exorcists, sons of Siva, the high priest, who took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus over those who were demonized. Took it upon themselves to use the name, right? They would say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. We cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Not who we know, not who we, uh, you know, preach in. No, 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 in who Paul preaches. One day they said those words and the demon in the man replied, I know about Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? Wow. That made a wild story even crazier. The, the demon inside the man <laughs> spoke to these guys and said, I know Jesus and I'm terrified of him. I know Paul because of the works that he's been doing, but who are you? Like, almost like, what right do you have here? Basically laughing them off. It gets worse. Then the demonized man jumped on them and threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly. He overpowered the seven exorcists and they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. Now, this is one of those stories in the Bible that you're like, I didn't know this story was in the Bible. You're definitely not putting this on a felt board and teaching it to the Sunday school kids, okay? This is like a Stephen King novel, but it's true. It's what happened, okay? And it's insane. But what we see here is we see these itinerant Jewish people, okay, these itinerant Jewish exorcists who had an understanding of God, they had an understanding of religious things. They had somewhat of an understanding of the spiritual because obviously they were trying to cast out demons, but they didn't have a full experiential and understanding knowledge of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working. So when they tried to fight a spiritual battle by just throwing Jesus' name out there and hoping this formula or superstition would work, when they tried to fight this spiritual battle with physical formulas, they utterly failed. They were embarrassed. They were naked, which means that they were ashamed, left ashamed, and they were beaten, hurting. What I see here is these particular guys, they, un or they, they willingly were ignorant to the power of Jesus. They were willingly ignorant to the Holy Spirit power and tried to do something that Paul was doing for their own benefit. They thought they could pull off what Paul did without having an intimate relationship with God. They were trying to imitate without having an intimate relationship. And if you let me be cheesy for a moment, they were trying to imitate without the intimate. Okay, that's the closest I could do to coming to make those uh, rhyme, because if you're a good preacher, you can rhyme things, you can alliterate, and you have points, and I have none of that. I just have food analogies. So I figured I'd throw that in there. But the point is, they were trying to imitate Paul and imitate what they had seen done, imitate this spiritual move experience by just flippantly using the name of Jesus and hoping that it worked in some kind of crazy superstition or formula. And what this makes me see here is that, that we, as human beings, are fighting a spiritual battle by trying to use superstition and human physical formulas to try to fix issues in our lives, to try to fix issues in this country, and to try to fix issues in this world. All the while, we're fighting a spiritual battle. 
Ephesians says that we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers. The evil that we experience in this life that is brought on by sin is a spiritual darkness. And when we try to fight it, willingly ignorant because we don't give power to the Holy Spirit. When we try to fight our own battles, we say, I can figure out how to fight this. I can figure out how to get my life better. I can beat this addiction. I don't need the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I already said the prayer one time, so it's all good. When we start to do this, we will fail. It will happen. We will fail. We'll fall flat on our face. We'll be completely ashamed and we will be hurt because we tried to fight a, a spiritual battle in a physical way because we were willingly ignorant and not giving the Holy Spirit the transformative power which he is due. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can transform lives through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ. The only one. We can't do it. I can't do it. Pastor Mel can't do it. None of the other pastors here can do it. Your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa cannot do it for you. Someone else's relationship with Jesus and their relationship with the Holy Spirit, with God, is not enough for you to change your life. You cannot just rely on your mama's prayers. You can't rely on your mom's prayers to change you. They will help because she's fighting a spiritual battle. But you have to have a relationship and an experience with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They go together. They are three in one. I love what happens here at the very end of this story. In 17 through 20, we see revival break out in Ephesus. And it's odd because this happens directly after these sons of Siva were chased out naked by a demon. Revival breaks out. That doesn't sound like the formula that I would use for revival, right? That sounds a little weird. But what happens is the people of Ephesus, they recognize, hey, what Paul is doing is real because I've seen him live it. Even his handkerchiefs are casting out demons, and these seven dudes can't even do it. Paul must be onto something here. And so we see revival break out. Verse 17, all the people in Ephesus were awestruck, both Jews and non-Jews, when they heard about what had happened. Great fear fell over the entire city, and the authority of the name of Jesus was exalted. How awesome is that? The authority of the name of Jesus was exalted. He was praised. He was worshiped. Verse 18, many believers publicly confessed their sins and disclosed their secrets. He, okay. Verse 19, large numbers of those who had been practicing magic took all of their books and scrolls and spells and incantations and publicly burned them. When the value of all the books and the scrolls was calculated, it came out to several million dollars. The power of God caused the word to spread and the people were greatly impacted. Now, when I read this, I see revival here. I see people's lives being changed. I see believers not being afraid to divulge what they've been going through because they know if they share it with someone else who also believes that they can come alongside them and love on them like Jesus and help them when they need help. I'll just stay on this for just a moment. I grew up with this mindset, and I believe that this mindset is still, can still be in the big C church, that we should hide all of our secrets. 
We should hide all of our sins because if we don't have a perfect looking life, then no one's going to believe that our life has been changed by God. But I'm here to tell you by experience, it's only through confession. It's only through allowing someone into your life that you trust, that God is sent, that, that allowing someone into your life that you can actually find freedom because they can help you. Because now you're not scared of, of confessing and, and of saying, yeah, my life is messed up, but by the power of God, it's being completely changed. When you're hiding things, they stay in the dark and you've got to bring them into the light. I, I spent nearly 30 years of my life hiding things. And it destroyed myself, it destroyed my family, it destroyed everything around me. All because I was trying to keep this facade of, no, I'm a good Christian boy, it's all good. I said the prayer and so that's enough. But revival here looks like people confessing and saying, oh, you, you too? You mess up that way too? Okay, good. Like, let's pray for each other. Let's help out each other. And it also looks like repenting in such a way that says, I don't care how much money I'm going to lose. I'm getting rid of all of the things that were in my life that were making me go down this path away from God. You see other translations here say that these books, they added up to 50,000 pieces of silver, but 50,000 pieces of silver in today's money is a million to $5 million. The whole town of Ephesus was doing this, saying, we don't care. We want to follow this Jesus because we see that he has authority. And I love verse 20, the, the power of God caused the word to spread and the people were greatly impacted. What would happen in Indiana? What would happen in Pennsylvania? What would happen in this nation if we decided to press into all that God has for us? If we decided to, to not just take the first step in believing in Jesus, because that's awesome and that's great, but take the next step to saying, I want a close, intimate relationship with you and I want the full experience, God. Whatever you want me to do, you want me to get rid of some things? I'll get rid of some things. You want me to start confessing? I'll start confessing. Whatever you want me to do, I want to follow. What would happen here? What would happen in your life and your family's life if we did that? What could God do? You see, these two stories, they point to the necessity of truly knowing the nature, the person, the character of who God really is. God the Father sending the Son to die on the cross, to raise again, to give the Spirit so that we might be able to live this life in His power. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have one without the other. And Titus 3, verses 3 through 7, puts a perfect bow on this and shows it, so, uh, reveals it in such an easy way. It says this, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. Amen. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done. It's not in our own power. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior because of his grace he made us right in the sight or in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life i love this passage because it shows 
the Trinity, three in one, the full work of God, the Father, sending the Son to die and to raise again, to pour out his spirit upon us so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven, so that we can inherit eternal life. Not just when we die, but so that we can see the kingdom of heaven here on earth. But you see, if we neglect all that God has for us, if we neglect the fullness of God, then we will neglect the fullness of life that he has for us. God wants you to go deeper. He wants you to experience all that he has for you. And it's my prayer today that you, that I, that this church presses in more intimately to what God has for us through spending time with him and reading our word, through sharing our, our anxieties, our fears, or our cares with him in prayer, or just telling him how awesome he is in worship, in living our lives out. There's no secret formula. It's just a matter, it's just a matter of spending time with the one who gave it all for you and being open to whatever he wants to do. So maybe you're here today and you came in here unknowingly ignorant, like these first believers we saw. Maybe you've never heard about the Holy Spirit in this way. Maybe you, you, you've never heard about the gospel, God the Father sending the Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to be risen again in three days so that, and to pay for our sins so that we might have life. Maybe you've never heard that and you're unknowingly ignorant to what God wants you to experience. Or maybe you're here today and you're willingly ignorant. Maybe you've heard it all before. Maybe you have a misconception of who the Holy Spirit is, or maybe you have a misconception on how God sees you. Maybe you've had bad experiences. Maybe you, you're like, I don't know about the Holy Spirit or pressing into what God has for me because he'll make me weird and say things I don't even know. Well, that's not, that's not true. <laughs> maybe... Maybe you are willfully ignorant because you think you can do it on your own. I know I've been in all three of these places. You can do it on your own and you, you can set yourself free. I said the prayer, that's good enough for me. I got the ticket to heaven. Now I've got to live my life and I've got to work really hard. But that's being willfully ignorant. Either way, you're missing out on all that God has for you. Either way, we're missing out on everything that God wants us to experience. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you. Oh, I thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, to be a helper that when we are ignorant, whether unknowingly or willingly, that you are beckoning us deeper, closer to you, to be revealed to your truth. God, I pray right now that you fill in the gaps of the things that I said and reveal your truth to every single person in here today, every person watching online. Reveal your truth to us. God, I thank you that, that you want to be close to us. 
that you have so much for us to experience if we would just take the next step. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us life and life to the fullest through Jesus, living it out in the power of the Spirit. Now, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I want to ask you, maybe you're in this place and today you, you, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never even taken that first step of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, that God raised him from the dead, confessing and believing that God raised him from the dead so that you can be saved and just start that first step of the life that God has for you. I want to encourage you and tell you that today is your day. Today is your day to take that first step with Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10, I said it just a while ago, says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. So I want to give you the opportunity today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I just want to pray with you. So if that's you and you want to make Jesus Christ Lord today, Lord of your life for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now. Nobody looking around. You say, that's me. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. That's me. I want to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life today. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see that hand to my left. What we're going to do is we're going to all pray together. Heads still bowed, eyes still closed. We're going to all pray this prayer together. So whether you raise your hand or not, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. So let's go ahead and pray. Everybody in this room, repeat after me. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sins. Thank you that you rose him again so that I might have life. I give you my life today. I'm asking you to be my Lord. I'm not going back. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want to ask one more, one more thing real quick because I don't want to, I don't want to uh, neglect this opportunity for someone else to respond. But today, if you are in one of these two categories, where you have been unwillingly ignorant or unknowingly ignorant to the power and the experience of the Holy Spirit, or whether you've been willingly ignorant to the power and the presence and the experience of the Holy Spirit, then we wanna give you an opportunity today to step into that. So as we dismiss our, our, our prayer partners and our pastors are gonna be up here at the front. And if you want to take that next step and you say, I've been, I've been trying to do it on my own, or I want all that God has for me, then these prayer partners want to pray with you and seek the Holy Spirit with you on your behalf. So if that's you today, do not leave this place without seeking, without praying with someone to see all that God has for you.
If you're in the house today or if you're watching online and you raised your hand or, or you said this prayer for the first time to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, then what I would like for you to do is I'd like for you to text 94000 text the word different to 94000. Or if you're in the room, you can fill out the card in the seat back in front of you. All we want to do is we want to be able to help you continue on that first step and give you a Bible. We want to give you some extra resources and, um, and someone to talk to about what it means to follow Jesus. So we want to help you. We don't want to leave you. Uh, we don't want to leave you stranded. So text different to 94000, whether you're watching online or you're in the room. Again, as we dismiss, there's going to be people, people up here uh, ready to pray with you, ready to help you seek after all that God has for you. I want to tell our online audience, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to be able to speak God's word, God's truth into your life. I thank you that you have joined us this morning, and I hope that you have a great week.